Listener Production. I acknowledge the lands and the waters of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. I pay my respect to their ancestors past and elders present. I acknowledge that the First Nations across the continent have never ceded sovereignty and that the First Nations are the first lawmakers. Welcome, this is Black Matters, a podcast that is about First Nations matters and why they matter. I'm Teela Reid, First Nations advocate, senior lawyer, and proud Wiradjuri and Wailwan woman. And also, I should add to this, co-founder of At Blackfella Book Club, which is very relevant to this little yarn we're about to have because I can't wait to share this book on my uh, book club. And so today I'm joined with my longtime friend, Michael, from the Hit Radio Network. Yep, yep, yep. Yep, yep, yep. Now, if, you, if you're looking for something to watch, if you are a documentary lover, there is a doco that was released a couple of years ago that you got to wrap your eyeballs around. It's called In My Blood. It was a documentary released a couple of years back, filmed over the course of 12 months in Alice Springs, Mapantwe. Uh, it tracks the journey of Duan, a 10-year-old struggling with school and just trying to find his way through life while being kind of stuck in the middle. On, on one side, he's caught between his culture his heritage, and on the other side, there's, you know, the Western culture that surrounds him. Uh, It's further complicated by his cultural responsibilities as a healer in his community, uh, Nungara. Now, here's a piece of that doco, In My Blood It Runs. What happened at school? The history that we told at school, that was for white people. They don't know their culture. They don't teach them their culture. Dwan ran away from school today at about 1.30. Do you want to get locked up with those other kids? This is your last chance. They're not going to take my grandchildren away from me. We want our kids to grow up learning in both ways. Now, the documentary, it's been turned into an illustrated book also titled In My Blood It Runs. And Duan, no longer a 10-year-old, 17, and in the studio with us today. Duan, thank you so much for joining us on Black Matters. It's a pleasure to have you here. Yes, yeah, thank, thank you for bringing me in too. A part of the stuff which you have me and bring me in for today. Well, it was a fantastic documentary. Um, you created that documentary that now we're talking about the book today that you have brought to life. When you were in the documentary, you were 10 years old. Now you're 17. It's so, such a pleasure to have you IRL with us today. What's the experience been like from creating the documentary to essentially writing this amazing book? I didn't really make a plan about making the book until Maya wanted to, she, we had a talk about it and Maya was like, you know, like since that, do we have a movie about it? Like, and I see most other movies that has books and then like books that are named after the movie and some of them like have different storylines and, you know, that's what made me fascinated to make a book. And yeah, we spent a week in Darwin making the book and looking through all the kids' kids books and stuff, just trying to find ideas for my book. And yeah, it was it was a good time. Well, I am so proud of you for bringing this book to life. Let's go back a little bit to... This story. So you're telling, you're a real storyteller and you're a healer. Can you explain to us a bit what it was like growing up in in those different worlds, especially out there, Mafante, and then your obligations as a healer and a nangara in your community? Well, growing up as a young little 
a young Nangra is is so fascinating because everyone is always wanting you to heal them and everyone's always asking questions. Some of my cousins will ask me, what's it like to be a Nangra? Can you like feel it in you? Can you like feel it and does it like talk to you? Well, it does have its own personality and stuff. Like like I said in the movie, it's when I pass away, it will maybe go take on to my grandchildren or my one of my kids. So it's always here and it's it's always going to be moving on to the next person and the next generation and the next generation after that. So it's always here. About me growing up in Alice Springs, well, it was a bit of a like big thing for having a camera following me around all over <laughs> town and, you know, having Maya just, yeah, because I was always everywhere and Maya would always find me and then she would always pull out the camera for me and stuff. And sometimes I would even make videos by myself with her cameras and like sometimes just muck around with some of her <laughs> film film stuff and the film camera. And do you like telling stories in that form, like through the film? Yes, yeah, it's, it's sort of, it has a lot of people fascinated and a lot of people really like listening to me. I do hear that people, a lot of people call me a wise young boy. Uh, for a young 10-year-old, I was so wise. For me, for me to hear that is like so heart-touching and it's heart-warming as well. So... Yeah, it's a very spiritual and ancient gift from your people. How did that get passed down to you? Like, how did you become aware of the fact that you have an extraordinary gift? I have watched the documentary and I saw you as that young 10-year-old and the way in which you healed with your hands. How, How did that come about for you in discovering that? The way how I discovered it is after I lost my great-grandfather, he he passed away. So we surrounded his bed before he got taken away. And like we all had to pay our respects and just kiss him on the forehead and stuff and all that. And I think when I kissed him on the forehead, I think that Ngangra must have seen how pure my heart was and it came to me then. Ngangra only chooses a right person. It doesn't like go to a random person. It chooses by your personality and by how how big is your heart. So if you have a big heart for people, then that Nangara would most probably go to you. You said before that being a Nangara, it's it's like a feeling that's always inside of you and clearly a feeling, something that was passed to you from your grandfather. When you're healing someone, can you describe what what it feels like? When I when I touch somebody on their sore, wherever they're sore or wherever they feel cramped, I could feel my hand and the palm of my hand and through all the way right up to my wrist and all that. My hand gets really weak, but it only goes as far as to my elbow. So if it's if they were so sick that I couldn't really ding it, my arms would get so weak if they, if they were too sick. I could only just do cramps and stuff for, like for now, but like since that I'm still growing, I'm still learning about it while I'm living in Alice Spring. It is a big thing because... It's, it's with you most of your life, and it's all, like it always talks to you and stuff. When like sometimes mm-hmm. I'll, when I'll be by myself, I could just be sitting down in my like own own world, and I could be talking to it and stuff. And it, sometimes it tells me whether it's the right thing to do or not. Like sometimes it it gives me a heads up when when something's when it when it has a bad feeling and stuff. So it's almost like a, a spirit with inside of you, and. Yep. You have a relationship with this spirit and it's a relationship that over time and experience will grow and get stronger. And in doing that, 
your abilities to heal will only get stronger and stronger. How important is it for you to be on your traditional country learning this with your old people in terms of growing that connection within you on your land? And when you go at bush and stuff, Mangangro is like a line right now. It has a line. And that line, if it gets like wobbly out of like place and stuff, like that Mangangro wants to go and do everything and wants to like go and see see this or see that. But when it's at bush, it's like calm. It doesn't really do much. It doesn't think as much. It's just very calm and it just doesn't really talk, talk much. It's just asleep and it lets me learn more about it from my grandmothers and stuff because they teach me by actions and stuff. Mm-hmm. It, it's a real fun thing too because when, when you're learning about stuff, it's actually fun because you find out new things every day and find out some more good things about it and yeah. Just on that connection to country, a lot of the documentary is about, I suppose, the different way in which First Nations people see this country and see the land and the land's connection to First Nations people. For a non-Indigenous person, can you talk to me about that connection and how you see your country? Well, how I see my country, I see it as a big house, trees and water holes everywhere, animals and everything everywhere. So say it would be like my backyard just a place of fun and a place to actually, a place to look back on and a place to look for when, when town doesn't feel right. A calming influence. Yeah. Well, certainly was a huge documentary, particularly within the First Nations community. It was such a unique insight into your life. And I vividly remember, I think, as well, a part where you were in school and the teachers were like telling you about, were telling the class how Australia was so-called founded or discovered and kind of ignoring it, what it felt like was your real story that we know, especially growing up in like a community or walking in all of these different worlds, also with your very special gift as a healer. How has that been for you growing up trying to walk in all those different spaces in Australia. In Australia, Alice Springs would be like one of the hotspots for racism. So I wouldn't really walk around as much as I do as I in communities. Communities are all right because they don't really have much of white people there. They just only have like certain people like shopkeepers, doctors and just policemen. And that would be like the only white people there. And like school teachers, you know. Mm. It's mostly got all the teachers as I'm... Um, Aboriginal teachers there. Like you can see in, in the movie that we teach culture and all that and learn about Gurangi and Garwa language. It's like a big thing back in, back in communities because you learn, in communities you learn more about your culture than in town. Because mm. in town you learn more about Englishes. Mostly just learn about the white men, white men law and stuff. There's a part that we heard at the start of this episode from your documentary and I've listened to that piece of audio a couple of times and it just blew my mind. Here you are at the time, a 10-year-old boy. I'm assuming that you're running away from school because maybe in that moment you don't feel as though you fit in or it's not right for you or it's not safe for you. For me, going through all of that, it was it was really, couldn't really handle it so much. So that's why I couldn't really go back to school anymore. 
After that, I just ended up staying out on the streets most of the times, and I stayed up on the streets until the point I got sent to my father. Mm-hmm. And then when I got sent to my father, that's when I started getting disciplined. He taught me a lot of things, taught me how to accept people, even though some of them, most, most of them would be racist. And yeah, it's just like for me, going through all of that, it was just just like a wrong life. But then again, I had, I had to push through it. Since that time and that documentary and that moment, look how far you have come, <laughs> a published author. But not only that, you ended up at the United Nations as an advocate against our country's incarceration of young First Nations peoples. And might I add, you were the youngest ever to address the United Nations. There are some things I want to see changed. I want my school to be run by Aboriginal people. I want adults to stop calling 10-year-old kids in jail. I want my future to be out on land with strong culture and language. My film is for all Aboriginal kids. It is about our dreams, our hopes, and our rights. I hope you could make things better for us. Thank you. You were 12 when you said that. What did that statement and being there and speaking on behalf of your people, our people here at the UN, mean to you? That meant a lot because that was a big thing that any 10-year-old could have done to make a speech as good as that. Not any 10... I'm going to stop you there, my friend. Not any 10-year-old, not any 12-year-old, not any (laughs) 32-year-old can stand in front of the UN and deliver a speech like that. Give yourself some more credit. Not, not, a, not a regular person can do that, mate. That, that's a strong, that is a damn strong individual, which you clearly are. Thank you for that. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it, is, it was a big thing because I, it, we did go because of the movie and we, that, met, that, that movie actually got us there. If it wasn't for the movie, I wouldn't have went to Geneva to address the UN like that. So I, I mostly put most of the credit on the movie for that. It was a big thing, but I didn't see how much, how big it was until I seen a lot of people, some people, even um, one of the, my producers came up to me. She's crying and, yeah. You've almost got me crying now, <laughs> listening to you. Also, how humble he is. Like, oh, yeah, no biggie. I just went yeah. nuts with exactly. the UN. Like, it's no biggie. Like, it was a big deal, but who cares? It's, it's, a, it's a huge <laughs> deal. It's a huge deal. And, and most people in your position who have lived the life that you've lived could be very angry, could be a little bitter against the white man's world, but you have taken this and turned it into truly something special. I mean, since, since this documentary was released... I'm assuming now you're a bit of a celebrity. I mean, you're signing books, no big deal. Uh, like, how's it changed your life? noticed on the streets of Sydney. Yeah, how, not, how has this not changed lately, your life? Not lately, then. That's mostly, that's, <laughs> I don't think, because I'm, my face has changed over the years now and I don't really have a baby face anymore, like how I was in the movie. <laughs> that's my face has sort of grown now. So only like sort of really people, only so, like people who have most probably watched it like, more than six times would actually take notice of my face today. Like only certain people would actually take notice of, is that the one right there walking? Or, you know, <laughs> is that the one? I, some people would just like walk up to me or like, are you that little young fella from that movie and stuff? And yeah, my life, I'm doing good now. I have been doing a lot of traveling. 
because I'm, I'm mostly like been living in the top end up in Borola and in Alice Springs, just mainly been up and down over the years. It's been like a good, good little, uh, my life was like good, good and it's been going through a lot of stuff been doing a lot of things. I've been getting a lot of new opportunities and yeah, I, I'm loving it at the moment. <laughs> Do you think that this book is a great way for non-Indigenous Australians to read and, and learn more about First Nations communities and First Nations issues? Yeah, they would learn more about how we, how we live in Australia and how we are treated here in Australia. We have the book in the studio. I want to share a bit of a brief excerpt from that book. This is what Juan says in the book. I quote, When we are out at bush, my nangre gets straighter inside me like a line. But in town, it's wobbly and feels like a snake. When we are out bush, it sleeps because it's calm. But in town, it wants to slither away. It's active and wild. It tried to take me away with it. I really love how you describe everything. You are so poetic and also so conversational. <laughs> uh, this line, though, sounds like there's that little 10-year-old Duan in there. How does it feel now that you're so much older? Well, when I look back at the movie, it just makes me think about all the times and all the fun times and all this, like, mad and, like, silly times that I have been doing in Alice Springs and... <laughs> When I look at it now, I just laugh at myself thinking I could not have been that that really silly or, you know, I couldn't have been that cute back then. <laughs> and when I hear myself today through the movie, I hear the reason why people actually think it's a real heartwarming movie, mm. a documentary. I actually heard the words and what I was meaning about and what's the meaning about and everything what I was going through. And the like. when I look back at it, it's just like, it's unexplainable, this feeling what I'm, I'm about to think, but I can't really express it at the moment because I don't know how to, to think, say it. You must be proud though, right? I would imagine you're incredibly yeah. proud that, you know, this 10-year-old boy from Central Australia, his story now has gone right around the world and now this story is in this amazing book that's hopefully going to educate young Australians and your story is going to continue to be told. That must be a special feeling. It is, it is a special feeling because there's going to be a lot of strangers. They're going to be reading about my story and watching my storyline and just learning of me and what I used to do when I was young. I mean, I think it's such a generous thing for you to share this in this country for also non-Indigenous Australians because it's an insight into, I think, your world, your community, and generally, I think the many different strengths among lots of different First Nations peoples in our connection to the spiritual world and the stories that we pass down into our communities. And we believe and will continue to push that First Nations issues matter. And we believe that language matters too. We wondered today if there was a word you might be able to share with us in your language. It can be any word. Well, this is the most easiest one to say hello. You just say, wura. Wura. Yeah. 
Sora sign like a sign, water, a water, but water, say, and then da, water. You've had the documentary, you've now got the book. Before we let you go, what do you want to do next, man? You're conquering the world one project at a time. What's next for Duan? Hopefully, if this book gets published out and goes worldwide like the movie has, then that, that'll be actually a big thing because maybe I'll get a more newer opportunity to do something else then. Because I have gotten a lot of opportunities to maybe go and be a filmmaker or maybe go and do some more acting. I'm still trying to make plans for my future. I am still young yet and I'll have to be waiting for next year until I turn 18 to start making my own choices. World get ready. Dewan's coming. I think your future is bright, my friend. Look, the book In My Blood It Runs is out now. Make sure you grab yourself a copy. Uh, it's an incredible book. You gave us uh, the word water, which is hello. Give what's goodbye. I feel like that's a fitting way to wrap up our chat. Kala. Kala. And I can't wait to share this on at Blackfella Book Club. Um, Black Douglas illustrated your artworks, which is stunning. First Nations Archibald winning artist. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me today. It was a real, real honour to come in and have a good talk with you and have a good yarn. The honour's all ours, make my friend. Duan go worldwide on this. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And if you <laughs> want to watch the doco, if you haven't watched it yet as well, In My Blood It Runs, it's on Netflix in Australia, Duan. It's been a pleasure. I, I can't wait to sit here and watch you conquer the world, my friend. Just don't forget the little people like us when you're a superstar, okay? Nope. I will never forget you because if I, if I do get more famous, I know who it's from. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us again on another episode of Black Matters.